I think I've got this. Harriet at Carl's Bay in the morning. Sabotage Frank's fireworks while I'm there. Then off to the complex to take care of Igor's experiment. In the afternoon, I pay the lovebirds a visit at their nest. Then crash the party and pay my respects to Igor, Wenji, and Alexis. Finally, the Raketo plan takes me to Juliana. Time to break this fucking loop. Welcome to the last episode of Furidashi ever. No, just kidding. <laughs> the last episode of the year. And so since this is the last episode of the year and we are going to be going on break um, for probably a couple of weeks. So you, you'll have your, your next episode well into January. Um, but we wanted to talk about, you know, some wrap up things for the year. We're not going to do a game of the year edition. We're not going to do any of that crap, um, mostly because I hate it and it's not useful like for la- for example last year Hades was game of the year but I liked Hades even before that took place so it didn't convince me of anything so what we're going to talk about are the games that um surprised us that we didn't necessarily know going into them were going to be like not even necessarily huge hits but games that really sort of like stuck in our brains and then also the games that we were really hyped for that when we actually got around to playing them were um less than spectacular <laughs> yeah maybe a little lackluster or then just didn't exceed our expectations potentially yeah and not even necessarily games that are sort of objectively bad but games that when once we finally got around to playing them we're just kind of like oh okay all right fine that was a game <laughs> so that's so yeah so that's that's the that's the what's what we want to leave you with at the end of the year until you have to wait around you're just gonna be left with like eh. Fun. No, we'll probably go <laughs> intermittent between everyone. Yeah, so yeah, 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 welcome to our last episode <laughs> of 2021. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for sticking around all year. And yeah, I honestly, I used to love the Game Awards as a kid, but now as a developer, I am frustrated by my own industry expertise now recognizing just how business oriented and kind of covering up the industry is. Something that obviously was a letdown or not excited with our 2021 and the industry right so before we even get into games we do want to acknowledge that all of the shit that's happened in the industry this year that's kind of been (laughs) happening right yeah the biggest letdown is the industry itself (laughs) the biggest yeah that's the biggest letdown and i wanted to start with that because it's just really it's really terrible because you can work at the best companies or maybe the best company you've ever worked at and or a company that's just been really good to you you know like let's just start it there is that this company hasn't done anything bad to you. And then suddenly, um, you know, it comes out that your CEO is actually a terrible piece of crap. And it comes out that there's actually your coworkers have been sexually exploited and harassed their entire time there. By the way, you both started work on the same day 10 years ago. 
Yep. And so now, like fundamentally, the place that you thought was safe to work, you realize was safe, but only safe for you. Yeah. Or maybe you've been in the industry 20 years and now you're realizing, oh, like I didn't realize there was a problem. And well, yep. it's because you never sought to look at it. Yep. Right. So I will say for me, the biggest letdown of 2021 was not so much, I mean, not so much just acknowledging all of the problems that are in our industry, but accumulating in now my childhood of I love the Game Awards is now like, oh, it's really hard because the Game Awards uh, will condone other companies. But if they condone every single company for being terrible, well, now suddenly no one's going to pay and sponsor for the Game Awards. Yeah. So it's really hard because that's the nature of the industry. And it's been a letdown 2021. It literally sucked in 2020. It's like it was all coming to a head. And then 2021 was like, look, we've all been working from home and I can't deal with the fact that I'm not even physically there and you're still harassing me. Like, yeah. boom, end of story. So thank you, 2021, for that letdown. <laughs> We're going to talk about things that did not let us down and instead picked us up in the best yeah. way possible. So, Nicholas, what is your – this was a really surprising game that I was super excited about. Industry be damned. This game was great. Thank you for the developers that made it. So the the game that really genuinely surprised me was a game that we played on stream and that I've talked about before, not at any great length. Um, it's called What's Your Gender. Um, it's a it's a indie game, you know, in like the loosest sense. But it was it was done by a bunch of students originally for a game jam, and then they did a release version. Um, it was recently released on Steam as well, but I played it in its original form. And the reason why I was genuine, because the thing is, even when I go into, you guys know this about me, I play a lot of the like indiest of the indie games, games that were made by oftentimes one or a handful of people for like a group project for a class. And I love doing this because I love playing things that are not really finished, but, but have really interesting ideas. And so the reason why this was such a surprise for me is that I was going into this game thinking that like, okay, well, this is going to have like a cool gimmick or an interesting idea and I'm going to appreciate that for what it is no more no less however when I actually then went to play it what was fascinating to me about this game so the the game deals with like gender in an extremely broad sense and even though it deals with these sort of like categorical descriptors like you know bisexual transgender it, it's because it, it, it deals with sexuality in addition to gender as well um it does it in such a way where the gameplay mechanics themselves are designed to make you as a player experience the feeling of dysphoria or euphoria in some cases that the individual experiencing this in a heteronormative society would feel. And it's not perfectly polished, but the fact that someone even thought to try and do that and to try and execute it and execute it to like a 90% level, that was amazing. In fact, I, you guys can't tell this because you can't feel my body. I, I am literally re-experiencing the goosebumps I experienced playing this game right now just by describing it. And so like that experience, that's that surprise. It was a visceral experience. It was amazing. And despite the fact that the industry sucks <laughs> in so many ways, the fact that like within that world, games like this can exist and developers like this can thrive, that gives me hope. And so yeah. that's and why, I, I, yeah. And I believe that we actually have that recorded, right, Nicholas? 
Yes, um, it is. It is on our YouTube channel, and I will link to it from um, in the show notes. Okay, and if it is not in our YouTube channel, um, we will get a copy of that recording to you guys. Something that we're going to be offering to our Patreon subscribers starting in January of 2022. Not to be the person that plugs here, <laughs> it's going to be all of our old streaming content. So that if it's, if that's current streaming content or old streaming yep. content, you'll be able to watch all of our old recordings and other videos that we create for our new super secret squad. Yeah. So um, we, we produce forward into 2022. We produce some edited videos from our stream content, but the like actual complete streams are, I have them archived and they will be uploaded and made available to our Patreon subscribers. So yeah. And no, I say that because for this episode, what we do have, if we have played this on a stream, we want to make sure that you guys give access to at least being able to judge the content for yourself. Yep. And what's your gender was actually also on my, one of my most surprising games of 2021 because something that you might guys you might guys might not know about me is that I am actually a little bit a part of the LGBTQA plus community in the games industry. I have not been as active as I have been but this year because this is kind of the first year where I've kind of found a lot of people that were very like minded. Um, and I'm also like a studio that really appreciates and supports the type of queer representation in games. Yeah. And so I'm not sure if it just kind of aligned with us this year, Nicholas, about this or if it was because of my own kind of I don't want to say like coming out because that's not quite about it. It was, but maybe more yeah. like opening the doors wider and the windows so that there's sunlight in and I can see all of my people <laughs> out there yeah. versus just kind of being alone. Um, Actually, I want to interrupt games. you right there. Oh, I want to interrupt you right there because you, you made a very important point that feeling of not being alone. That is 100% why these games need to exist and why there need to be like a billion more of them because you know, the, the question, the sort of the issue of representation gets brought up in like the most abstract terms possible. But one of the things that like representing a wider variety of like personal experiences does is it makes those people who already feel that way more courageous, more bold, more comfortable, more safe with expressing who they are as well. And that's what Lauren is. I mean, that's literally Lauren just said that. And I wanted to emphasize that precisely because the, the issue of representation is often talked about almost as if it's like ticking off like a checkbox. Like that's not really what it's about. It's about putting out an experience into the world that other people can look at and say like, I recognize that. Now I know that I feel safe or I feel comfortable talking about my own experiences as well. Sorry, Lauren, go ahead. No, do not apologize for that. Because I know that sometimes, or rather, thank you for apologizing for it. In my case, it was unnecessary because I think sometimes it's really hard for a member of the community to kind of understand what they're talking about with yeah. until they actually say something. And for me, what's your gender was something that when I watched Nicholas play it as a watcher, not even as a player, I got the goosebumps because a lot of that game is textual. Uh, yeah. A lot of it's an ambiance. So just listening to it. And also it really helped that you read it. I think that it was a game jam and it was made by students. So unfortunately none of them, there is a I, little bit, of, a little voice bit of, yeah, yeah, I was going to say there's a little bit of voice acting, but none of them actually lot, voiced no. all of it, right? And that is definitely a game that yeah. I would say needs someone to kind of do a VO over it. Hey, maybe that's what I'll do. I'll just like run through it with you and we'll <laughs> take turns VOing it. Yeah. Um, because really it is, it is a game that, that requires that. And for me, it was the most surprising because it was one of those that finally really hit me with a way to explain gender to a community of people who... On, unfortunately and honestly, though, look at diversity and inclusion metrics 
as a statistic that they need yeah. to check. Yeah. And and it's sad because if you are coming from an experience and a bubble in a world where you never really ever had to think that gender was beyond male and female. If you come from that world, you look at it go and go, "Oh, we need to include a trans character." Check. "Oh, we need to include a gay person." Check. "Oh, wait, yeah. gay isn't good enough." So we need to do lesbian. Like quite literally, I've heard people say gay isn't good enough. And I'm just like, what? The actual crackle <laughs> monkey cracker jack just came out of your mouth. Like, yeah. and you're in a meeting, right? And everyone in the room is just like, yeah, you're right. And I'm just going like, I want to leave. Flames go, on the side of my face. <laughs> I'm going to leave now. Uh, like literally, I've done the Scott Pilgrim thing of I need to go pee on the sofa like i need to lay down <laughs> i need to go pee down like I, I, my brain has short-circuited and i i think that it's it's a hard it's, it's funny saying that now in hindsight of years and years ago but it's just let's let's be real and what's your gender is just it's a student project and it was something that it blew my mind because as a student developer when i was creating these game jams i was trying to think of it what's going to make my portfolio stand out like, yeah. what's going to make me look great and sexy to those AAA game devs? Like, I want That's not a bad way someone. to think. That's not a bad way to think. It, it's not a bad way to think, especially if you want to get hired in the industry and you you know that there is an audience, right? Like, as a writer, and I was a commissioned writer at points where I would write for clients. Yeah. Like, what does my client want to see? What do they need this website to look at? What is the marketing potential? What is Who is my audience? I mean, that's that's the trademark of a game designer. My audience is a AAA client making third-person action adventures. I'm going to make a game jam. I want to work on a game jam that's a third-person action adventure. Yep. So if someone came to me and went, hey, I want to make this really cool like VR piece where you walk around a space and we explore what gender identity is. I honestly, as a student, would have been like, see ya. Yeah. Like, and I would have felt really bad. But I would have been like, that's not my audience. Like, That's not the purpose of me being here. Yeah. So it blew my mind because... One, in my in my in my defense, I'm going to be like, there are people out there that don't care about that shit, and, and I love I love that because they do care. They do want to be in games. Yeah. That, that even so, they went. You know, like I'm, they're at a place where they don't care about pandering to an existing audience. They are creating a game that, in all honesty, will create new ones. And that, to me, is like, thank you. Yes, the industry is a flaming ball of shit right now. But you know what, you guys, you guys are that little little nugget of gold that we're just gonna we're gonna we're kill that shit. And we're just gonna look at you. and We're gonna be happy. <laughs> like that is that is what we needed in twenty twenty one. So that's really why it made my twenty twenty one list, Nicholas. Like for you, it was playing it and the goosebumps of it. For me, it was seeing through that to the future, right, of these game jams and of these students. And then the ways in which they want their game experiences to be. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing is, like, I don't get the sense that anyone doesn't want to. I mean, maybe there are people who are just antagonistic and like, I, I don't want to work, you know, in the games industry. I don't care. I'm just going to make the games that I want to make. But I don't get the sense that that's what they want. But they also want to make games better. They don't want games to just be what they are and to be the same and to sort of like essentially produce a more polished version of things that have already been on offer. Like there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not deriding that in any way whatsoever, but you need both. And the thing is the, the real, the real talk here is that like, there are plenty of people who want to make the, the more polished version of the thing that already exists. There are not very many people who want to make the thing that is the new thing. Yeah. It's hard. It's very hard. 
It's incredibly hard. And even if you are one of those people that want to make the new thing and you're a position of power and you've been in the games 20, 25 years, your definition of the new thing is mm-hmm. honestly someone's definition of the new thing like five or 10 years ago. Yeah, probably. Because it took you 10 years to identify what you wanted to do. And now it's taking you 10 years to get to into a position of power in which you can finally do that. And quite honestly, you're just not there anymore. So since we had the same one, can we add well, another one? I do have an extra one. Yeah, so I actually okay, have another one. Yeah, go ahead. So I actually have a couple here. One of them's going to be, because I, I was kind of debating which one was going to be, what was my other surprising thing. Yeah. And I actually wanted to briefly mention the, the one that immediately came to mind, but that I've talked about too much. And then I'll go into the one that's <laughs> actually quite surprising, um, but in an interesting kind of development way. Okay. So the first one that was really surprising to me, for those of you who don't know, I just started this new MMO called Final Fantasy XIV. <laughs> no. Do the whole bit. You have to do the whole bit. <laughs> um, it had a free trial up to level 60 uh, that was not bound by time or content all the way up to the award-winning Heaven Sword patch. Um, and it's just a critically claimed MMO. You guys should all try it. Yeah. Okay. No, I that was my bit uh, done out of order because I wasn't planning on doing it. Yeah. Um, that genuinely surprised me because I was coming from World of Warcraft this year. And we bring up 14 a lot as if I've played it forever. But I will have you know that I played it, maybe I started it in March or April. Yeah, you only and started it this year. I started I only, it earlier, but you he didn't. He started yeah. it earlier. Yeah. And he, you really didn't even get into it. I mean, no, you did, okay, so but you, I, you didn't I start, really. Okay, let me think. I started playing it probably in the fall of 2020 kind of haphazardly just to sort of get a feel for it but i didn't really get into like playing like msq so the main story quest line consistently until probably january of this year so yeah i'm in a similar boat yeah and so and that's uh because in august of last year i think it was last year is when it actually had the free trial that's when they started it yeah and that's when they actually started it which is why it became a meme because the meme is exactly what their official twitter account posted that like did you know and the community just (laughs) ran with it and i and i love that because uh, the final fantasy 14 has really been an mmo that literally (laughs) hit me on everything that i love which is character creation narrative progression loot gear grind I mean, anything that you think of as an MMO cooperation, I actually finally joined a free company. I hadn't joined a free company before. So now I can. I'm a loner. (laughs) No, be a loner. Um, I joined a cult. Uh, It stands for culture. Uh, We are actually the cultural center. And what's funny is we actually have a lot of ex-WOW members, which I didn't realize because I was running roulettes the other day. And someone was like, I was a 12-year WOW veteran. They just stopped four months ago playing World of Warcraft, went to Final Fantasy XIV, and they have never looking back. That's what they told me. While we're, like, dungeoning. And they're better at the game now than I am because they're a hardcore MMO player. I would say I'm an MMO player, but I wouldn't say I'm hardcore because I can't log in every day into a game and and just continue. Like, I I just can't do that. My brain doesn't work that way. I need to space it out every other day. But I would say Final Fantasy XIV was really surprising to me coming from World of Warcraft because I was really... I was really into WoW. I was so into WoW. I did WoW Classic. Yeah. And I went back and I leveled up to 60 and I did that first raid and I was like, wow, okay, I'm glad that I relived this nostalgia because I really was unable to get into any other MMOs. Like I tried Guild Wars 2. I tried Genshin Impact. I, I tried Destiny even. Like I was looking for a first person shooter MMO yeah. to get me back into an MMO. Yeah. And I was just fascinated because as soon as I logged into 14, 
my friends were kind of joking that, you know, they're like, you're going to love this. And I was like, nah. And then I basically <laughs> played it straight for three days. Yeah. I would log in every morning and play it two hours before work. And since it was work from home, it was basically 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Log in, have my 10 a.m. meeting, log off, do my like work work and then go back, play for an hour for lunchtime and then, you know, like do work again and then log back in at night at like 6 p.m. Like because I was just that invested in it to where Nicholas is like, I've been playing this game for like eight months. Like, what are you doing? And I was like. I don't know, man. I'm just really into it. And then suddenly I buy the game before he buys the game. That's I actually bought a mount before I bought the game. Yeah. And I just really got into it. So that's my surprising thing that really picked me up because it's such an old title and it's not, it wasn't in 2021, though Endwalker technically released. So I get to talk about it. Yeah. It released. Um, yeah. On the third. So yeah. It released on the third of December for pre-orders and is yeah. actually the full release will be December 7th. So after mm -hmm. December 7th now, well, this yeah, episode will come out well after. It will that, so, well, yeah. well after that, yeah. But I will say that December seventh, like that's going to be the the key. That's going to be the long queue time. So oh much so that <laughs> yeah. they are going to award their players with seven days of game time for free, even if you are on the thirty day or monthly subscriptions. Yep. Um, which is crazy because that's just give them giving them away like their monetization. So that's another one of my surprising things is like even the community, right? So what um, was the is, is really great. What was the other game that was an yep. honorary mention for you? Okay, my other honorary mention was actually going to be Deathloop. Uh, that okay. did come out in 2021. Yes, it did. And that is very much a it is a roguelike stealth game pretending to be a first person shooter. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Right. Um, I really love the mechanics of that game, and I love where it's kind of blending the genres of a AAA space, where it really made my friends who were only into first person shooters want to play the game they get the game and then they're like i can't play this game because they were expecting twitch right like shooting mechanics yeah and expecting their guns and their ability to shoot to be winning but they're like my shots aren't landing like blah 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 and i'm like well it's because you don't have higher level equipment or abilities right like that's the rpg kind of thing so i see that nicholas wants to make a point i'm yeah. gonna let him make that point but I will just like to say that, yeah, Deathloop was my honorary mention. Well, the reason why I think Deathloop is a really interesting game is because, so most people, when they think of a first-person game, they tend to think of first-person shooters. But the thing is, like, the original first-person games that at least were, had, like, uh, 3D acceleration were not primary, like, you know, there was Doom and Wolfenstein 3D, but you also had games like Thief and you had games like Hexen. And you had a lot of games where that I mean, sort of Deus Ex. Deus Ex. Like they they were shooters technically, but they had a lot of those stealth mechanics and they had a lot more like RPG elements. The original have you ever played the original Deus Ex? Yes, I have. Okay. Awesome. Played it in college. I, I did kind of also played it in college. Hmm, all right. Different different eras, but I played same it when game. it came I played it when it came out. Yeah. College, okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I, I did not come out for me. I tried to stream it and it was horrific. Like it's just really hard to play. Um <laughs> graphically for me because I am used to the one to one kind of ratio of yeah. how oh, this is gonna sound weird, but how collision matches up in the real world is a yeah. lot more equal to how it is now in video games, right? Like yeah. a table is this collision. In older games, graphic capabilities weren't as high. And so the one-to-one -one ratio of how big a table is or can you crouch here or yeah. can you not is a lot harder. And then there aren't the cute mechanics of like, look at all of the O button everywhere that you know that you can crouch here. Oh, yeah. nope, this they can see through this wall because games are buggy. So, but I did play Deus Ex. And I think that the original first person games that were more methodical are these kind of stealth games, right? And or jumping games or kind of platforming. 
Yeah. And what I really liked about that is Deathloop. I mean, when you look at what Arcane Studios does, Deathloop is really like Dishonored 3 uh, with guns and is actually connected to the Dishonored universe. And so I really liked Deathloop on those two, the two main accounts, right? One of just being an incredible looped of a gameplay. It's the mixing of different genres and uh, storylines and mechanics, like all within a unique experience. Yeah. But I also really like it because what I love as a business person, right? And this is my business kind of a entrepreneurial hat. Vomit. Is that Blech. what? <laughs> Sorry. You can, you're talking to like a serial entrepreneur here and you're just vomiting in the mic. Um, so as someone who has actually started multiple businesses and helped other people start their own companies, that was my secret side job for a little bit. Yes. Um, all you get to know. That as someone who's who's very, very keen on, I'm not so much doing that, but I love the meta of it, is that Arcane Studios has kind of created this niche for themselves, being able to deliver a unique product like Deathloop, but has the same fundamentals of their old products, but then is connected, if not thematically, connected meta, right? Connected aesthetically and and kind of in a meta-narrative way to the Dishonored universe, which actually takes yeah. place in a different you could say space time. And yeah. since Deathloop is playing with the idea of space and time and right, the graphic style of Arcane is very kind of structured, that it's it's a, something of a company that I would say in the way that Bethesda Studios has made a lot of Elder Scrolls games, right? And they have really established an aesthetic and kind of a core philosophy. Arcane Studios has also really done that, but in a way that is so fundamentally and uniquely kind of metaverse that it's almost a studio thing, right? Versus a franchise thing. Yeah. So where Elder Scrolls is definitely a franchise, Deathloop is a standalone product. You don't have to have played Dishonored or Dishonored 2. And, no. and you don't even think of Dishonored, right? As say Deathloop being a parallel or a sequel. Yeah. You don't think yeah. that. Versus Skyrim is a, say, step in the Elder Scrolls, right? Yeah, yeah. And you yeah. can reference it. So that's kind of linear, like Tolkien-esque, okay? Versus you know, I don't know, Narnia. Like I'm trying to think of two totally different franchises or books or something. Yeah, it's here. it's it's like with the with the Elder Scrolls games, they very clearly all take place. They're like different parts of the same world. And that's very clear in all of them. Whereas if you're talking about the relationship between Deathloop and, and the Dishonored games, it's more like they take place in the same vibe. Is is the best it's way the I could same, describe it? Well, I think it, it's the same vibe. It's the same aesthetic, but it actually does take place in the Dishonored like universe or for Marvel fans, metaverse. Yeah. Okay. And I think that that's, what's really important. Me is I think multiverse. Multiverse. Metaverse, right. multiverse. Is, is the metaverse is different. Sorry, is sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah. <clears throat> Apologies. <laughs> <My> <laughs> quantum <laughs> physicist is coming out. Let me just <laughs> <laughs> edit all of that. Uh, I think that's, what's really interesting is about the right to, for me, deathly, right. Is my actual, like, I guess, triple a, you could say then, um, it's because I think that anything that goes to that parallel stories or a universe where your me the mechanics are somewhat similar, but it's got that same vibe and aesthetic and studio identity is really, really important to me just as a as an entrepreneur developer. Yeah. So I love it from that business side. But as a storyteller, a lot of my own original work all is actually tied together in a very similar way, even though the worlds and the stories and the themes are incredibly different. Yeah. Because for me, when I create, I love seeing a story that may take place in say like 2030 japan right so it's a modern it's metropolitan right it's great but then if you look at 30 right take that same area and now it's a story that's going to take place 
in say Europe in 20, like, you know, 2300. So hundreds of years later, actually will reference characters that are from that, right? 2030 or like different timelines. Is it linear? Are there like visual different realities, right? Are there parallel realities? Like I've always kind of written like that. So anytime I see that in a modern AAA space, I'm just like, to me, it's like the words relief and finally, (laughs) like, because there are just, we've been telling the same linear stories and same, like, <laughs> you know, for so long yeah. that whenever I see a story that isn't linear, but it's not non-linear and it's yeah. not branching and it's not open and there's all these, like, I'm scare quoting all of these right yeah, now. Yeah, she is. I'm just, yeah. I am just tired of it. So whenever I see a story that's actually like, and you know, the Marvel movies, when you come out and you're going to be all multiverse bull shenanigans, like... They're not going to be real multiverse stories. And if they are, I'm going to have relief. And I'm going to think finally. But I bet they're not. I bet it's going to be more of like parallelisms, you know? Uh, okay. So speaking of things that we're tired of. Yes. This, this so speaking this, of things this, we're tired this, of. Seg- this is the segue. Um, so speaking of things that we're tired of, what were your bummers? So, well, I mean, we don't have a ton of time left in this episode. Let's one bummer each. Because I'd much rather have most of the episode be about great things and then a little bit of the episode be about... Nah, 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 nah. Yeah, good, good, good segue. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if I have, I guess, a bummer of 2021 because, I don't know, I'd have to think about it. Well, uh, you want me? I can I go will, first then if you want. You should go first, okay. yeah, while I think about it. So my disappointment for 2021 is the game Road 66, sorry, Road 96. Road uh, 66? I almost said Road 66 because it's it's too similar to Route 66, yeah. which is a thing that I grew up in my childhood. Anyway, um, Road 96, which is a game that came out in, I believe, August, which I was really looking forward to for a whole host of reasons, for aesthetic reasons, but also for the way its systems were designed and the way it was going to approach a sort of rethink the idea of like branching logic in a video game, in a video game narrative. Because for those of you who have not played the game, you have specific in-game avatars, but depending on what point you are in the game, you always have a different avatar. And so your avatar is always one of several teenagers who are never named and in fact, the only visual representation you get of them since it's a first person game is this like um, silhouette that's part of your character portrait. But so and then as a result, throughout the course of the game, you encounter various like non-player characters and then you you get your interactions with them in these like vignettes. So in other words, the totality of your interaction with a particular non-player character is spread out across many player characters and many avatars throughout the game. And I thought this was a really interesting idea and I thought the approach, like, I don't think they did it poorly. Like, here's the thing, is that it's not a game I dislike, but it's a game that I found incredibly frustrating because there are a lot of, like, quality of life things that are just absent. And also the way they decided to implement the transition between these like avatar states, <laughs> avatar state, I feel like Aang here. <laughs> I'm in the avatar state. Um, <laughs> the way they decided to sort of handle that transition was in a very locked down way such that like you could never really go back and re-experience something. Like the way the save states work in that game is extremely frustrating and you have no idea that this is going to happen until you reach the very end of a playthrough, at which point all of your save states are just gone. And I was like, excuse me? And so from an accessibility, so like, 
speaking so from a narrative standpoint like nothing necessarily disappointed me about the game but from a system standpoint and from a mechanics standpoint i was like you can't you can't make a game in 2021 that does this like i understand like i saw what you were trying to do i get what you were trying to go for here but just from a basic accessibility standpoint like this is literally saying like our gimmick is more important than your like quality of life and playing the game and i'm just not yeah, it, okay honestly with that. it's like if a book erased itself when you finished reading it yeah i mean that doesn't actually help the narrative no right or if a movie that you bought in a as a dvd or a blu-ray you bought this disc pushed itself out and then exploded Right or destroyed your DVD player, Maybe or just, not, or like, just scrambled the, itself. Because what actually, what happens is then you you go to play again, but you can't you can't even reproduce the same thing. Like you can't make the same decisions to reproduce the same playthrough because all of the vignettes can be like mixed up. They're all modular, so like the game will, as part of its like random generation, will remix them. So you you actually can't reproduce it. And I find that really frustrating because it's like, yes, I, I enjoy the possibility of experiencing a different playthrough of the game, but I would also like to have the option of like reproducing the same playthrough as before. And the game just doesn't let you have that. And I don't know Especially why. Especially in 2021. No, I, I definitely think it's a it's a gimmick. Like, yeah. and I hate to say it like that because for me, I hate gimmicks. Like it's one thing to, or rather, let me rephrase this. I really like bits. It's really fun to have a bit yes. where your game does a bit. We love bits. And it's 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 comedy or it's tragedy. And you're like, oh, you did the bit. It's funny. And you can reproduce the bit. You can show it to your friends, right? And yeah. you're like, look at this. Isn't that funny? And they can go, yeah, it's funny. Oh, how did you get there? Let me meet those same requirements to get there, right? This is a gimmick because you are giving an experience to the player that they want to share to their friends, right? Or they want to go, hey in my way, I ended up getting all of these things. And, you know, I don't have the greatest memory, so I just want to go replay so that I can help others see what the same requirements are. You know, I just want to make other people play this game and enjoy that experience. And in 2021, if you erase your save states, you scrambled the DVR, right? You can't you can't reproduce that. So actually it decreases shareability, yeah. right? Because I remember up until this point, you were actually loving Road 96. Like that was yeah. your game. Yeah. And then as soon as this happened... And yeah, I, I, I complained to Lauren endlessly about this. You guys it, didn't it, get to see it. <laughs> yeah. No, you don't get to see our chats. It's never going to happen. Yeah. And it was it was horrible because it's something where you take an experience that people love and then you do something like this and you make them hate it. Like that's that's not that's, that's exactly what happened. 2021. Yeah. yeah. Um, I my letdown of 2021 is pretty lackluster. Um, I'm going to have two again because I'm bad at making snap decisions, but also because when I was thinking of this, it was really hard to find like a 2021 letdown. Yeah. Um, I do make games. And so my letdown was at the beginning of this episode uh, about the industry. <laughs> and so yeah. I don't have a chance to play games as often as Nicholas, unfortunately. I mean, I'd love to just play games, I guess, more. But I would say that one of my early letdowns was of Animal Crossing New Horizons. Um, I was really into that game and I gifted my sister some online game time so that we could play together. And we played a little bit in January and we played a little bit in February. And I think after Easter, I just kind of stopped. Um, I really liked the Halloween seasonal stuff. Yeah. But Animal Crossing, for all of its <clears throat> like ability that it brought people together in 2020 in like a very unique way. And I remember them getting like awards for that. Yeah. Um, in 2021, it just didn't have the production or the game development philosophies to get more people in a massive way. Yeah. Um, I think that if 
Animal Crossing had actually been more than MMO, like that probably would have fundamentally changed Animal Crossing's or like the Sims. Know, like vision? the Sims, Sims has had a lot of consistent carrying power over its many iterations. We're on Sims what four now, and four has I don't know like four a has dozen. a yeah. huge player base too. Yeah. Like I know people that are like, oh, I don't play video games, and I'm like, yeah, but what games have you played? And you're like, they're like, oh, well, I do play like the Sims four like five nights a week. And I'm like, yeah, I don't play video games except for the one I play all the time. <laughs> yeah, except, I mean, like, if I, yeah, if any MMO player said they don't play games except for, you know, critically acclaimed Final Fantasy 14 or WoW, like, come on, like, an MMO is no different than The Sims in the terms of enjoyment. It's just a different game, okay? Yeah, yeah. Like, but I, that's what I'm saying. Sims 4 has staying power. And I saw people that will play Animal Crossing, but they play thousands of hours alone, right? Yeah. And, like, I love Animal Crossing, and I really got into decorating, but at a certain point, like, you just have to grind, and I hate yeah. grinding. I can't yeah. do it. And as an MMO player, you probably are all laughing because I, you're like, but you play MMOs, and you have to grind. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm progressing, okay? I am <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that what you tell yourself? Like, no, I'm not performing this tedious task over and over. Like, it, imagine if, like, you were working, like, a retail job, and you're, like, folding sweaters and putting them on, on you know, on the shelf, and, like... God, doesn't that get really boring? Like, no, it's not boring. I'm doing sweater progression. I am sweater progression. <laughs> Honestly, but for my brain, wow. Yeah, for my brain, I worked in retail. For my brain, like, that is how my brain operates. I am only able to do any sort of task if I'm able to progress in, like, it, I have to trick myself. Like, I would not do chores if I wasn't, like, you need to sweep because you hate crumbs on your feet. And I have slippers that do my chores for me because they're little dusters on my slippers. So when I want to sweep, I can just kind of shuffle. And then all <laughs> the things go to the sweeping spot. And when the sweeping spot gets too crumbly, then the broom and the dustpan come out. And it's just a handheld broom. So I can just go boop, 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 boop. So that's how I do chores, everybody. You should live just like me. Be a game developer where you're, you gamify your slippers. All right. To wrap um, up, Lauren, to wrap but, up yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your what's up. your other one? What's your other one? Uh... Oh, my other one. My other one is a game I've been playing with my friends. It's Divinity: Original Sin Two. Um, it's, it's actually kind of an really old game now, but it keeps getting super, released super, on super, different super, platforms. Super, 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 super old. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can you can cut out all my supers. I didn't realize you were gonna. <laughs> nah, that's fine. Um, I do. I do think that it was a letdown for me narratively. Um, in a couple of ways. One, it allowed one of our players to min max his stats so much that if ever his stats dropped, he would lose his pants. Because he couldn't equip them if his stats dropped below a certain number. And so in the final battle, that was the first time the game ever introduced debuffs that would debuff all of your stats. Yeah. And he happened to avoid getting cursed or getting other stats on him. And it even wasn't like a simple curse. Yeah. And so for the entire final fight, he lost his pants. And he actually lost, like, I think his other equipment as well. And it was just a sword and a shield and his skills. And he wasn't able to perform some of his skills. He wasn't able to do anything. So mechanically, it was a little bit of a letdown. But it was hilarious, right? Because you're playing with your friends. Yeah. Um. And I think that was great because I was like, did you, just, did you just lose your pants? And it's the final boss fight of this game. Yeah. And yeah, he did it pantsless and he became divine pantsless um, <laughs> because he was never able to get rid of the the thing. So that is a little bit of a narrative spoiler. Yeah. Um, but I also will say narratively, uh, I was just incredibly let down by at the very end of the game. They like reveal something about a character's backstory that never comes up. And one of the voice actresses cries and is yeah. really upset about it. And the other guy that you never really knew is like, oh, I actually did come up earlier, but was never revealed again. 
Jesus. I've been here this whole time. Yeah. And then another character was like, did you realize that like the real thing is the thing that you've been fighting against is really the thing that you need to be working towards? And I'm like, guys, you just had like three tropes of a giant RPG ending hit me all at the same time. And then they are all bosses. So you have three or four bosses all along alongside each other. Then if you do it in a certain order, we actually got eight bosses to fight us with four characters, one of them pantsless and equipmentless, okay? <laughs> so really like three and a half characters. And then one of our guys is like a terrible hunter because they never know how to hunt. So they really died. So it's more like two and a half characters. Yeah. Um, and they're all bosses and they're but then they're fighting each other. So then we just delayed our turns and then they fought the boss battle for us. Like yeah, that's not really an enjoyable like boss fight experience. Yeah, it was horrible. And then you get to the end and they're like, surprise, what are you really going to do? Are you going to do what the boss told you to do? Or are you going to not do what the boss told you? Or are you going to do the other option? And then there's like different cutscenes for every time you do it. So you really just want to reload your save to get the one that you want. And then... So it's like the end of Mass Effect 3 where you're just like, pick, yeah, except pick, pick the version of the universe you want. It's like pick the event. Yeah, it's pick the version of the universe you want. Yeah. Watch the credit scroll. And then after that, though, they re uh teleport you so in mass effect it's the mass effect 3 version what universe do you want yeah. also we're gonna then somehow reanimate your corpse as well like you yeah. survived this entire time and then we're gonna make you talk about it with random other npcs and you can still trade and put back your pants on because the buff's gone so that's great but like it's just it's yeah and then you can see the real credits because like <laughs> so it's like if mass effect 3 happened and then they also had the ending at the end of it i know this is a little bit longer it is our last episode so yeah this but... is yeah this is our last episode of the the fisc not of the fiscal year of the year of the calendar year um and we want to remind you all that um we are going to be in the coming year there's going to be all sorts of fantastic stuff about new patreon tiers and new things that we're going to be doing so look forward to that in january we are not going to be back until probably the second or third week of january because we're you know, we're taking a break. We deserve breaks too. Um, however, we have loads of Patreon content. And if you're not already signed up, go ahead to patreon.com forward slash footydashi for that and all the wonderful stuff there. Um, Lauren, is there any message that you want to leave the good people with for the end of the year? Your end of the year yeah. message. End of the year message. Well, you're really building it up and I don't think it's going to be that important. <laughs> I, will, I will say that unfortunately you can't gift Patreon subscriptions to anybody, but if you have not subscribed to our Patreon, it would be a really great gift. If just for the month, please go ahead and support us. It's only $5 right now. Uh, and then going into January, 2022, you can also then give us that gift of Patreon joy <laughs> to help us go into the new year really strong. So I really encourage you guys to support us on Patreon because it really is one of the biggest ways we get to see and interact with our community. Yep. Um, there's really, we know it's small and we know that you guys are like still building, but to watch ourselves grow over and over again has been really amazing for this past year. We really just started this past year. And so it's kind of like whenever you're creating a new game or a new adventure, you're really not sure where it's going to go or if it's going to take off or you're still going to enjoy working on that game for yeah. another year or two, yeah. right? And you're not really sure what's going to happen, but we've had a blast and it's been your feedback that's really given us the blast that, has kept us going forward and wanting to create new content. And so supporting us on Patreon not only like allows us to create this content, but it shows us that you guys want to engage with us and that you want to have more of this content and on more platforms. So we're super, super excited for this past year and we really wanted to just thank you guys out. Uh, if any of you are game developers or interested in just playing games or just side chats, like please let us know what you want for 2022. And we just hope to see you there.